0: Have you ever been told or told yourself that you're nothing, you're no good, you're sorry, worthless junk? Well, I'm going to share with you in episode nine how a painting, a skit, and a verse in Ephesians showed me, and I'm going to show you... How God truly sees us. This is the 318 Project, a guide to equip men through godly principles and develop as husbands, fathers, and sons. And now, your host, Ryan Hare. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the 318 Project. So what does all three of those things have in common? that taught me a lesson of how God truly sees me, and I want to share how he sees you too? Well, the verse is Ephesians 2.10, and that says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I'm going to go more into that verse later, so I want to take you back to October of 2014. Me, my dad, a friend of ours, John Freeman, we all traveled with another friend of ours, Jack King. We were with him on a men's ministry trip to St. Petersburg, Russia. So one of the days we kind of had some free time, and so me, dad, and John Went to this museum in Saint Petersburg, Russia. Well, the name of the place was called the Hermitage. Now, it, the, this was a huge, kind of like castle, but it was—I mean—it took up a block or two of the street area, and it was one of once a home for one of the former queens of Russia, and she collected artwork sculptures, different things of just famous art. Uh, But at the same time, she was a recluse, like a hermit. And that is where the name for the museum came of as the hermitage. Of course, after her death, they found all this artwork. And so they turned it into a museum and it displayed even more modern stuff over the years that they had collected With this museum and I mean it was just awesome to see Picasso's da Vinci Michelangelo sculpture a Monet just different artworks from different eras but the biggest thing that stood out to me when we went there was the Rembrandt's they had a collection of over 30 paintings of his. And they had different ones. They had one that was a very special. It's called the Prodigal Son. Of course, it displayed about the son coming home to his father. And we had a guide. There was a lady that we had paid to show us. And she was showing us the different ones, the different paintings and different artwork and the history of the building. And during that time, she showed us, she said, this is how much security is in this building. And so she did the security. She kind of waved her hand at a, a painting and it alarmed. There was a security guard right there. But he was aware how they do this. And so it was just a demonstration. And she said the reason for the heightened security was because of an incident that had happened back in 1985. During that time, there was a Russian gentleman who later they found out had some severe mental issues and he went in one day and attacked a Rembrandt painting called the Danae. Now, the Danae, this painting depicts the character of Danea of Greek mythology waiting in bed for Zeus. Now, the gentleman proceeded to cut the painting in two areas, kind of like a slash across the middle, and then threw sulfuric acid onto the painting. During this time after, they did the, after all this happened, they tried to stop what they thought they could stop the, the acid from deteriorating the painting. They, they put, put it in water, which really didn't help it at first. But then they slowed it down. They got people in, scientists to come in, and pre- people that could preserve art, especially these older paintings. And they went in and started to work on it. And it took these chemists and painters another 12 years to work on this to prevent any further damage. So it was finally able to, back in 1997, they were able to then re-display it. In that time that they were fixing to display it, they spoke to the museum curator. And he explained how they had used a concentration of sturgeon, and some honey glue to strengthen the layers as well as use a microscopic residue to help stop the damage caused by the acid and to even out those layers in the varnish and the paint layers. But at no time, and this is what was so stood out to me, was that at no time did they go in and paint over any of the damaged areas. And when they asked him, when the When the news reporters asked him about this, the curator said, if we had done any kind of painting at any time, then it would no longer be a 100 percent authentic Rembrandt painting. And we would prefer that there be a slightly damaged at 70 percent, but still authentic Rembrandt painting. So how does that apply to us? And again, I'm going to kind of expound and let you see how God spoke to me and showed me the same thing. Because I can tell you, there's been a lot of times that I've had some some doubts and thoughts in my mind of who I am and, and what my value really is. And I, at the same time, I want to be able to show you that same thing of how valuable you truly are, even when you don't think you are that valuable. Now. I'm going to go back and it says in the very first part of that scripture, it says, for we are his workmanship. So what is workmanship? Well, if you check it out and look up the word, especially in the Greek, the Greek meaning for workmanship is poema, which means a piece of workmanship, a creation. and, and And when you break it down, this is where we get the word poem. So if we look at it, we are actually God's spoken word. And and how is that so true? I was looking up some stuff, and I come across some information. And this is from the book, a book on the foundations of Pentecostal theology. And it talks about the Old Testament spiritual gifts for special skills. And it said, in the Old Testament, special gifts of the Spirit were given to artisans who served in the construction of the tabernacle. And this is going back to the time of Moses. And it says in Exodus chapter 35, verses 30 through 33, it says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding in knowledge and manner of workmanship to design artistic works to work in gold and silver and bronze and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. So, again, this passage provides a typology for the work of the Holy Spirit who supplies in the new dispensation special endowments for believers who are God's workmen, building the body of Christ. And again, this is the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is a precursor of how we see things taking place in the New Testament. And again, as I was studying this and looking at it, I come across a article. It says the singular origin of a Christian man. And this is a sermon by Charles H. Spurgeon in February 7th of 1884. And he says, and this is quotes, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus upon good work, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And Spurgeon says, This text is written by the apostle as a reason why salvation cannot be a thing of human merit, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. The for, the word for, indicates an argument. It is a conclusive reason Why salvation cannot be by our own good works, because even when we have an abundance in and of the best of works, they are far more due to God than ourselves. We ourselves, in our own saved condition, are the workmanship of God. And with each of us, the argument holds good, not of works, for we are his workmanship. So we are completely God's workmanship, that we are also styled in a creation. We are created in Christ Jesus, and a creation cannot possibly be the creator's own work. Such a supposition would be absurd upon the face of it. It would be a misuse of language to speak of anything as creating itself. What therefore, Whatever therefore we are in Christ Jesus is the result of God's work upon us, and cannot be a cause of that work. So again, we see this, and again, as I was saying, it's part of being that that poem, that breath of God. And there are scriptures that that reiterate that breath of God. Several times we see it and hear it in Job. Job 27.3, again, Job is, is talking after all the things that he's going through, and he says in verse 3, he says, As long as my breath is in me, And the breath of God is in my nostrils. So again, it was that breath of God in him. In Job 33, verse 4, he says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And it is that breath that is breathed into our life. Even going back to Genesis 2, 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So we, when God breathed into Adam and Eve, and every person since that, from creation on, when they are born, it is that breath of life that enters our life, and it is that breath that is the breath of God that is in our lungs. That we are that person that God has created for a specific reason. Now, again, when we look at breath, where does that word breath originate from? Well, in the Old Testament. The word is ruah, which is a breath, a wind, or a spirit. Then in the New Testament, in the Hebrew translation of breath is the pneuma. And, of course, when you think of pneuma, it, again, is the, the that oxygen, breath, life. It is that, that root word of, like, pneumonia. In those words, that's where we get the word pneumonia and things like that. It comes from that root word. So, again, we are that breath, that God has breathed into our lives and that we are to then represent him. But it's not only about being a poem or that breath, but it's also being a vessel that God has created for of us to be used. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse four, it says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make and so again we see that that we are in that hand that that God's hand of molding and making us and forming us into that image now the next part that was key that i said earlier was a skit well, several years back, even before this trip, probably ten years ago now, I came across a, a YouTube video of a couple guys called the Skit Guys, and they had a skit called God's Chisel. And it is basically about a gentleman having he just again referring to the scripture, Ephesians two ten, but during that time he has that he feels like he's unworthy, not good enough, and Jesus or God shows up. God shows up and has starts having this conversation with him and it's back and forth of I'm junk. I'm not good enough. And there's a key part that the character that's playing God says, what does that say about me? If you if you think you're junk, what does that say about me? I don't make junk. Do you understand me? I I do not make junk. So if I create created you and I don't make junk, This is a false concept that you're bringing into your mind, that you've allowed into your mind to believe that you are junk. And see, that's the thing. So many times we may have gone through trials, situations. We may have walked away from from God. Uh, We may have gone through divorce, battled with an addiction, had financial failures, had those physical injuries of scars, cuts, Those flaws, imperfections, things that we don't even perceive that we feel are just not right. But again, everything about us, God has created. Yes, there are parts that we make choices, we make decisions, and it puts us down the wrong path. But again, that doesn't mean that God made us to be this junk that we see ourselves. And that's who Satan is. Satan is that accuser. And that's what he's called. He is called the accuser of the brethren. And so many times, isn't it like that, that he will tell you you're junk, you're no good, you're good for nothing, you'll never achieve nothing, you'll never accomplish nothing. What you've done, you've blown it, and you can never be restored. You can never step out and grow from those things. But like I said, and this is where God really showed me, that I'm not junk, and you're not junk, because God creates. And this was a quote from Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole that really stuck with me, is, God creates, but Satan counterfeits. There is nothing Satan can do. He can't create anything. All he can do is try to make a counterfeit. He tries to distort things of what is biblically true and distorts it and tries to counterfeit it. And isn't it funny how counterfeiters, when they try to replicate a, whether it's clothing, a purse, jewelry, whatever it may be, Do you ever notice how they always go for the high dollar items? Think about it. They try to replicate Gucci bags, Armani, Louis Vuitton, Coach. You don't see them trying to recreate a Walmart special. They always want to try and replicate the high demand, what looks good. But again, what looks good on the outside is not what's really on the inside. And that's just like Satan. He tries to give a false image And a false false design of what your life can be like. And have this painting coming in and, like I said, painting over it to make it look all nice and new and nice and shiny. But the inside is all rusted and broken. But when we put our faith and trust in God, he's going to restore it. It may not be a complete restoration. You may not be completely healed. You may still have those scars from an injury. You may still have those hurts. Those not so much physical scars, but even the those emotional scars of a divorce or an addiction that you've overcome. But it is those things that, that sometimes let us see where we have come from and what we've gone through, not to just always reminisce and think back, but that when Satan comes against us again, we can remind him where we did come from and who brought us through that and restored us. And again, how do we get to? that restoration. Well, when we look, Proverbs 17, verse 3 says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Isaiah 48, verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And again, it is that time of sometimes we go through these trials and we're like, why, why God are you taking me through this situation? Where have, why have you abandoned me and left me in this situation or in this time? And I don't feel you, but sometimes it is taking us, sometimes it takes us back to a point that we may be still holding on to a situation or hurt or a feeling or something that we're still hurt and bitter over. And it's that refining. It's that, that kiln that burns out when they talk about it when they put that silver in that refining pot or the gold in that furnace like he says that it burns out those impurities and they float to the top and then then that that silversmith or goldsmith will come in with a, a like a a scoop and dip out those impurities and that's just like God when we've gone through those things and he burns those things out he he reveals some things that may be still hidden in our heart hurt bitterness anger jealousy deceit envy whatever it may be and he sometimes has to bring those out that are hidden to expose them to then wipe them away and bring them and bring that restoration and healing again and it's even like a soap like in malachi chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 it says but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like launder's soap he will sit as a refiner and and a purifier of silver, he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to God the offerings of righteousness. Again, it's that purifying, that that healing, that just cleaning. As it says, you know, he's gonna make us white as snow. Even in Psalms sixty-six, verse ten, he says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. Again, it's that testing. We feel like, why am I going through this over and over again? But sometimes it is getting you to that point of allowing God to show you how valuable you really are to him and that he's willing to fight for you. And like I said before, it's not just about the silver and the gold refining it or that part of a poem. But I as I said before, uh, about Jeremiah being that potter. And the clay, you know, he is the potter. We are the clay. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And all we are are the works of your hand. So he's molding us. He's making us. He's forming us in how he wants us. And even in Romans 9 verses 20 through 21, it says, but indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it why have you made me like this does not the potter have power over the clay from the sl- same lump to make one vessel of honor and another for dishonor and that's the way sometimes we see it sometimes we walk away and we have that part of being a failure but that's not god's intent and sometimes he has to go in and bring that healing bring that restoration he may not fill in say it's that that clay pot And it's cracked. It would be so easy to go in and just redo it. He could melt it down and reform it and create something new. But that's not always the easiest and and best way. Sometimes he has to leave that crack and fill it in. But at the same time, he doesn't completely bring it to a restoration of 100% healed. He may leave it there again as a reminder. And sometimes there's things that may be broken in our life. Like I said, that divorce where you've gone through and now it's, it's, it's nothing that can be repaired and you've moved on. But yeah, there's those still hurt and broken pieces that have been left and shattered, whether it's through a divorce or, like I said, overcoming an addiction, but those that have, that you've pushed away because of that addiction that you've overcome, finally overcome. And you have these broken pieces and you feel like you're a broken vessel. But here's the thing about some broken vessels. They can still be used. You're like, well, it can't hold water or it can't hold, you know, the plate can't hold the food if it's if it's broken in half and the cup can't hold anything if it's shattered. But here was another thing. While we were in St. Petersburg, Russia, our friend John wanted to go see this place and he kept calling it and we're like, what's this all about? But the name of it, and it's no longer a church, but it's now kind of like a museum as well. But it was called and the name of it is still called The Church of the Savior on Spilt Blood. It was because of an assassination attempt, different story. But when we went inside, they had on the walls and all the interior of this this church was these mosaic tiles representing like the life of Christ and the and then on the pillars of the walls were of the twelve disciples. So it was just interesting to see. And it was just a reminder that All these little pieces, they were mosaic tiles that were broken, but yet they were put together to form all these beautiful images. And isn't that how God is with the church? Not just the physical church that you may go to and I go to on a weekly basis, but we as an overall church, the body of Christ, isn't that how we are? We are those broken pieces Individually, we are broken pieces, broken vessels that God then pulls together, brings together that you may have a special talent. I may have a special talent. Uh, Friends, you have friends, your pastor, whoever it is that has each has a special talent, just like that piece of tile that has that specific color or texture or design or angle that fits to another piece, into another piece. And when you're done, when the body of Christ comes together, we see this magnificent, designed, collective work that God has created and brought together. And that's what he showed me through all of this, through, through these different things, that no matter what, we are his workmanship. Even when we think we are junk, God reminds us that we aren't junk. We are his workmanship masterpiece and don't ever forget that. So I want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the Three Eighteen project. And if you can, through all the different formats that you listen to, but if you listen to Apple podcast or stitcher, if you can, I want you to, if you can just leave a comment and a review that way I can have an idea of if there's anything that you would like to see more that I could talk about to share. And again, guys, I love you and I hope you have a blessed and wonderful day. Thank you for joining on this adventure of integrity and honor in godly masculinity. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with other men. And remember to keep building faithful men.